Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of What to Watch on Netflix. My name is Jed Shepard and I am your host. Uh, just before we start, thank you very much for listening in every week. And if you haven't already, please subscribe and rate and review on iTunes. It does help a lot. Um, on today's show is film journalist Matthew Turner. Is that how I? Um, is that a good way to uh, announce you? I think film so. journalist. Yeah. That's great. Uh, Matthew, in, in case anyone doesn't know or wants to get into it, what does a film journalist actually do? Uh, that is a very good question. <laughs> um, if you're a sort of rubbish freelancer like me, you go to a lot of screenings and you try and review for as many people as possible. Uh-huh. Um, I used to be the full-time film reviewer for a website called View London. Um, so I used to review every film every week for them, which was kind of my main job, yeah. or my only job, uh, for a long time. And But since they stopped taking editorial content, I've been freelancing for lots of different people. Um, and I've ended up being one of those people that writes listicles for a living. Like, nice. you know, <laughs> 10 things we want to see in the Downton Abbey season finale, or... You know. There is an audience for that, though. Oh, well, I know, there is. Um, yeah, so I write clickbait, basically, these days. <laughs> or a lot of, I, I, I sub my film reviewing work with clickbait, with clickbait. So what's the difference between a film journalist and someone who just thinks they know a lot about film? Someone who watches films all the time and has an opinion um, versus someone who, who does film journalism uh, for a living. What's the difference between those these days, I'd say there's the only difference is whether you make enough money to, to, <laughs> to sustain your living as a film journalist. Okay. If you get paid for it, you're a film journalist, I would say. Yeah. That's perhaps not very, um, perhaps not very kind that, to my... No, that's <laughs> probably right. Personally speaking, I, film's always been my sort of lifelong passion. So mm-hmm. um, <laughs> the short version is I got into it by spending a, a lot of time on film talk boards in the late 90s. Okay. Primarily the Empire Film Talk Board and the Guardian Film Talk Board. Yeah. Um, and I met people through those boards that ultimately, I mean, I met, I met somebody in the Guardian talk board who was working for WH Smith online at the time, and he gave oh. me my first proper film reviewing work. Oh, cool. And from that, I got the View London job. View London actually advertised on the uh, Guardian film talk board for somebody to be their, film, their full-time film reviewer. Nice. And, um, and I got in touch with them then, and it was about a year between them advertising and actually launching. And I stayed in touch with them that whole time. So when they actually were ready to launch, I was, you know, I was their film reviewer. Yeah. And do you find um, that doing something that's your passion takes the, almost takes the fun out of watching films now? For instance, when I was growing up and my friends uh, were growing up, we obviously all liked music, but they all went into the film, uh, into the music industry. Um, So now I feel like a lot of them are disillusioned with music with some music and some bands because music isn't just something you can kind of put on and it's escapism. Now it music to them is a job and it's chores and it means you have to do work and you might be working on bands that you don't necessarily like. Um, so it almost takes a shine off. Do you feel the same for films? And I'm going to give you an example. What if you were sent by a magazine or by whoever to re- review a film that is, you know for certain, is going to be awful? For instance... Um, Fifty Shades. Uh, I quite darker. like Fifty Shades. Okay. <laughs> no, I haven't seen the second one, but, right, I, but okay. I quite like the first one. Um, yeah, okay. Well, something with, say, Jared Butler in it then. Is, yeah. Uh, is, um, there's two answers to, the, to, the, to that question, really, because okay. on the one hand, no, I haven't lost my passion for it in the sense of I feel like I can always find something interesting in a film, whether it's even if it's a bad film like bad films are obviously the most fun to write reviews of for course, anyway yeah you're right yeah. so professionally that doesn't really that doesn't really enter into it 
into it. What I do find is that I have I have to see so much, so many films professionally that I don't get any time to watch them for pleasure anymore. Yeah. So, I mean, I spent most of my life working through. Or um, my fifteenth birthday, I was given a book called "Guide for the Film Fanatic" by Danny Perry. I don't know if you've I've got it there. here. Oh, well, yeah, I've got it's a up fantastic there. book. Yeah, I think you recommended it to me. I think I may well have yeah. done. Yeah, I'm yeah. trying to work Several my way through ago. through the whole. Yeah. We're doing the same thing. We're trying to work through that, that entire book. That's right. Yeah. I'm, oh no, I remember. I, yeah, I remember this happening on Twitter. Yeah, yeah. yeah I think yeah, I'm yeah. on thirty-five percent at the moment. Oh, I'm way ahead of you. Okay, where <laughs> but are you? But then I'm several years old. Yeah. You. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, I was given that book. Well, I was given that book on my fifteenth birthday, so okay. I've got a hell of a head start <laughs> on you, basically. I have a long list of films. Um, I've even got like probably I've probably got about fifty films on my laptop alone yep. that are in that that are in that book that I want to watch and have been meaning to watch for ages that I just don't have the time for anymore because I have too, to see yeah. so much stuff. For for, um, for work and with um, and I do a lot of writing about TV as well and there's so much stuff we're just saying there's so much stuff on Netflix and, yeah. and things like that that it's really difficult to make time to watch films for pleasure um, thank God for Netflix downloading um, <laughs> yeah. because uh, without that I probably wouldn't watch half the stuff I, uh, I manage to watch these days. Exactly. And how about um, like film festivals? For me, um, I mean, I, I've gone to film festivals here and there as a punter, but obviously recently I've been going as a, um, a filmmaker. So I'm, I'm seeing it in a, in a different light. And to me, it's just exciting going to, going around to all these film festivals. As you've probably been to a million of them, um, what is your vibe of them? Do you do you have? Can you see the stink of desperation between like the writers and the directors that are out there with their first films, or can you see the potential? Or um, what what's the vibe you get from most film festivals? And is there a difference between the different festivals? I tend to experience most film festivals that I go to, and I, I have I haven't been to all of them, but I've been mm-hmm. to I've been to I mean I go to London every year. Obviously, yeah. I go to uh, Edinburgh, Glasgow, and I've been to San Sebastian three years in a row. Nice. I haven't really done any of the really big ones. I've mm-hmm. never done Cannes. I've never done Toronto or Venice or yeah. um, Sundance. Uh-huh. Sundance, London. Actually, I do um, here as oh, well. Cool. Which is you will see days. me there. Good, excellent. Yeah. <laughs> Look forward to it. Actually, I won't see you there this year because it's happening the day after my wedding. Oh, but, um, but why don't you combine uh, the two? <laughs> we'll we, we'll screen at your wedding. We, <laughs> <laughs> um, so I don't see it from the same. Congratulations, by the way. To, thank you. <laughs> I tend to see it from. Um, I mean, I'm in press screenings all the time. I yeah. very rarely get to go to the public events. I very, very rarely even get to go to the public screenings of films. So mm. my experience of film festivals is basically back-to-back movies all the time, yeah. and yeah. the occasional interview if I'm if I'm doing an interview for somebody. Um, so the only time I would encounter the, as you say, the desperate first-time <laughs> filmmakers is if I'm doing an interview with them. By which, okay. but if I'm if I'm doing an interview with them, then they've already achieved. They're already on somebody's level. radar because yeah, somebody yeah. wants an interview with them. So. Nice. Yeah, it's it's probably very different to your experience. Um, and also, like, there's not... What I love about Edinburgh and Glasgow, to a lesser degree, is there's a high level of kind of socialising between the filmmakers and the and the um, film critics and the audience. There is, yeah. So Especially in Glasgow, yeah. Yeah, well, yeah, Glasgow too. I shouldn't have been mean on Glasgow. I was only thinking that, the, that Edinburgh has a... The Filmhouse Bar in Edinburgh mm-hmm. is basically the place where everybody goes to okay. to sort of mingle afterwards, and that's audience, that's that's critics, and that's uh, the the filmmakers. And I've met tons of first time filmmakers in in Edinburgh who now you know have kind of established careers and stuff yeah. like that. 
Um, Glasgow, there's less of a kind of specific place to go, so it's a, it's slightly harder to do that mingling. But it is, but it's a small town. I mean, so. yeah, um, there's pub quizzes, and we did a film quiz, and uh, our team, I think, tragically came third, <laughs> and we were convinced because we I had always come first in the film quizzes. Do you really? Well, in the the Edinburgh one, yeah. Well, I felt yeah. like everyone else was googling except for us. We uh, we had a nightmare. Well, our team, our team was really good because we had we had a really good film journalist on our team, and we had a really good. Uh, we had people from the actual festival. Um, and then we had these two random drunk guys on our team. I don't know why they were there, but they spilled drinks all over us, ruined everything. Um, and myself and uh, Rob, the director of, of Dawn of the Deaf, we're still kind of sore of the fact that we didn't win this film quiz because we should do. <laughs> um, anyway, yeah, Glasgow is a, is a great film festival. Um, yeah, I mean, the, the you just don't get that at London, basically. You, the, the level of socialising yeah. in uh, in Edinburgh and Glasgow, you don't get that in London at all. And so, why is I that? I don't know why I, I, that is. I felt that as well. One year they had, I mean, this is a few years ago, one year they'd hired Soho House mm-hmm. um, um, for like late night, basically after what well, after film event. Yeah, you know, yeah. Stuff. So critics and filmmakers could go there. And so, for example, that was the year of the station agent. Okay. And I ended up having a lovely evening chatting to like Peter Dinklage and uh, Tom McCarthy. And, you know, it was a fantastic night. You know, like that, that was... Um, I heard he got his wallet stolen that year. Um, <laughs> not by me. Yeah. <laughs> I, I just didn't know he would, sto- he would stoop that low. Oh, just, terrible. <laughs> oh, <laughs> sorry, you Peter. have to cut that out. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so go on. So, so the station agent. No, yeah. but they've never done it since. Like, and it, yeah, it was great for that year. Like, there was a lot of there was a lot of kind of hanging out that year, and that's to me that's what the festival should be. Yeah. And um, but they never did it again. So you know yeah well i don't know maybe maybe um the, the cost of putting it on maybe was quite they have after parties and, and stuff like that in Edim- in london but it's always yeah. for the kind of you know the investors or the or the sponsors and the you know the kind of upper level yeah you know obviously the festival organizers and things like that but they they don't tend to invite the majority of the press yeah the, the sort of higher higher profile members of the press get to go but Everybody else, no. So there you go, guys. If you ever wanted to be a film journalist, don't um, do it. It's, no yeah, money in it. it's unlikely that you ever will. So, <laughs> um, so let's get on to format. Um, this uh, show is called What to Watch on Netflix, and myself and Matthew will be giving you some film recommendations. Now, we'll go one at a time. I will start first. Uh, my first film uh, of the podcast is a film from 1990. I'm guessing you've probably seen this, but I think it's really, really underrated. It's called Fear. Yes. Yeah. The Ali Sheedy film, Fear. Yes, but I really struggle to remember anything about it. So this, you, you are the exact right person to, to be talking uh, to about this then, because um, this is one of those films where people kind of have it in the back of their mind. It's been on Channel Five a bunch of times. It's always like a really Sunday afternoon film when, you, when you're flicking through channels. You go, oh, there's that girl from the Breakfast Club. I wonder what she's doing. Oh, this film's weird. Um, so in case you you, you can't remember. Fear is about a a lady, a psychic lady, who helps the police with their investigations for murders. There's been a series of murders in this city, and um, it's, it's a time um, in the world where um, the police relied on psychics quite a lot um, in the 80s and early 90s. Um, and so Ali Shuddy plays this, this woman who... She has her own demons going on, like, um, internally, but she tries her best to help other people, and um, she seems to be quite successful with helping the police. Obviously, there are some sceptics within the police force, as there are in, in the in the, in the wide world, um, but she seems to kind of get results, so they, they keep her on. Um, 
then she kind of stumbles across um, a kind of a, a serial killer um, and she uses her powers to help the police find um, the bodies uh, almost just after they've been um, they've been uh, murdered. But then it kind of dawns on her and dawns on the police that the um, murderer seems to know that he's being watched. And it turns out, and the, and the big twist, which isn't really a big twist because it's in the trailer, turns out that the guy, the serial killer, is also mm-hmm. psychic. So it's like a cat and mouse game between uh, the police who have a psychic helping them and a serial killer who's also psychic. So it's a really bizarre B-movie plot. But ever since I watched this as a child, I, I've become obsessed with it. I love it so much. And one of the main reasons I'm obsessed with it is because it has that great uh, trope, um, which happened a lot in, in films in the 90s, where the last scene, the big epic scene, is at a fairground. Um, and I love the imagery of just people running around a fairground at night, the flashing lights, Ali Sheedy, who is, the to me, the breakout star from The Breakfast Club um, and my favourite character, um, just doing her best as a uh, as a kind of uh, flawed psychic. Um, and it's great. Do you, do you remember any of that? In the film? Not really, no. But it sounds a lot like the TV show Medium. Was that based on it? Um, it wasn't based on it, but when, when Medium first came on, I was like, this is basically fear. Yeah. Um, and I, I feel like this this film, uh, Fear, could have been remade if it wasn't for Medium, because Medium kind of done that whole thing to death. Medium's a great TV show, by the way. I need to, I need to revisit that. Um, Are you holding out for a Fear reboot? I would so reboot Fear. I, I really, really would. Um, uh, but I mean, I just always loved Ali Shudi, and it's a shame she never really made too many other things. Um, there was a lot of weird kind of arty movies she made. Same as Molly Ringwald, really. They never really done anything. Besides They're both m- having a bit of a resurgence at the moment. Ali Shudi, I think, was in, um, I don't know whether you featured it on the podcast, a film called Little Sister. No. Um, at least I think she's in it. I have to double check that. But uh, I know Molly Ringwald. Yeah, it's a great little film, and Molly Ringwald is in Riverdale. Is in Riverdale, yeah, yeah. Which, which is Riverdale, one of my choices from a, an earlier episode. Um, and yeah, I can't recommend this film enough. Um, it was directed by a guy, and I need to pronounce his name right, Rockney S. O'Bannon. And the only other film that he did was Alienation, nineteen eighty-eight, which was a great buddy cop movie with one guy that is a New York police officer and the other guy's an alien, which they made into a TV show, which was also not not too shabby. Um, and yeah, that's really my first choice of what to watch on Netflix, and that is available on the streaming service Shudder. Um, and I'll talk about Shudder uh, a later date because I want to do a Shudder only episode at some point because. Um, it's a great streaming platform. It is um, indeed a great yeah. streaming platform. Matthew, what is your first choice of what um, to watch on Netflix? I've got several different uh, things okay. in mind. Actually, I, I told you uh, earlier that I was um, going to watch something on the way over, uh-huh. and uh, I managed to watch like an hour of it. Okay, that's so I'm not sorry. <laughs> so you can so base I can't it on wholeheartedly this one. <laughs> recommend it yeah. because I don't yet know how it ends. Okay, but let's. But I'm far enough into it to say that I'm intrigued. Excellent. Um, Although I don't have any of the information uh, about it to hand. Like, don't worry, don't worry. Or whatever. I'll try um, and find it while you are talking. Okay, you do that. It's called Trash Fire. Yeah. And it's um, it's difficult to explain what it exactly what it is because, like I said, it, it, I don't really know what it is yet because it's not <laughs> finished. It starts yeah. off as a kind of very dark kind of 
in it seems like it's going to be a very dark kind of indie relationship movie. Yeah. Um, Adrian Grenier is the uh, is the lead. Nice. You may remember him from Entourage. Okay, I've never seen Entourage. I try to to keep away from that at all costs. That's kind of a shame because I've got a I've got a something that always bothers me about Entourage that I wanted to bring up with you. I thought you're, I thought you're more than welcome you were to. a fan. No. Um, well, I'll get to him in a minute. Okay. Um, so it starts off with him, and and he's got some kind of traumatic. Uh, incident in his, in his past basically both his parents burned to death in in mysterious circumstances and he's kind of I'm intrigued um, so far yeah yeah he's kind of misanthropic is probably the uh the generous way of describing him he's he's a complete bastard basically yeah um but he's in a, a three-year relationship with a with a, a woman and she gets pregnant and she wants him to reconcile with um with his grandmother and younger sister, who was badly burned in the fire, who he's been estranged from for for many years, mm-hmm. um, that's her kind of condition for a her keeping the baby and b their relationship continuing together. Yeah. So he kind of reluctantly takes her to visit the grandmother and the uh, and the sister, and because it started out as this kind of indie indie relationship black comedy let's say you're kind of expecting it to kind of continue along those lines but it it goes very sort of gothic and weird in the sort of second section the grandmother is magnificently evil um (laughs) really horrible kind of character um so she's sort of immediately sort of insulting the 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 girlfriend and there's a lot of sort of religious elements on on the edges of the film as well and uh, and the sister's so badly burned that you so you almost never see. In fact, you I'm an hour in and we still haven't seen her face properly. It's going to um, be gruesome, sort of isn't creeping it? Creeping around the house. It's very kind of so. It's it's it got marketed as a horror film, I think, but okay. I don't think it is entirely a horror film. I'm really intrigued to see kind of where it ends. Okay. Um, I do have some. Um, you can, you can basically pause, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Right. I'm going to read what my. Uh, I, I I watched it because a friend of mine recommended it. Okay. I started watching it because a friend of mine recommended it. And um, but I didn't really read everything he said. I just knew that he had it in his in his top ten for the year last year. Oh wow! Okay, I can see it premiered at Sundance Film Festival and directed by Richard Bates Jr. Right, and he directed um, Excision. Oh which great! You may yes, yeah, I love that. And yeah, it's a great little horror film. Yeah, yeah. And another film called Suburban Gothic. Yes, yeah, which wasn't as good as Ex- Excision. So the the grandmother's played by Fionnula Flanagan. And um, and she's like, yeah, she's just fantastic in it, basically. So far, so you're about an hour in. Do you, are you going to watch the rest? Oh, definitely. Yeah, I'm going to be watching it on the way back. Okay. I, mean, <laughs> I live an hour and 20 minutes away from you, oh, so I'm going to be watching it on, uh, on the iPad on the way back. If it had been easier to walk down the road uh, whilst watching the iPad... I in the dark. Have, yeah, I would have totally, totally done that and possibly have finished it by the time I got here, but that didn't quite work out. And uh, where is this uh, available to watch? Um, it's on Netflix. It's, oh, nice. uh, as far as I know, it's on Netflix for a while. And as I said, it, it's. I think it had fairly. It only has two stars on Netflix, which is seems yeah. unfair. I mean, it doesn't. I don't care about star ratings. Most of the films I watch are, are less than four stars. Well, I, I would say I don't care about star ratings on Netflix, except one. It's one of my kind of great pleasures is going through and giving one star uh, reviews to everything <laughs> I've seen that I really hate like basically um, Gerard Butler movies uh, <laughs> what have you got against Gerard Butler? Oh, I can't stand him I yeah. really, well, first of all I really hated Olympus Has Fallen and London Has Fallen in particular I mean Olympus was a lot better than London I was bored of the London but one. I never liked him as an actor I, I just find him really not even in 300? not even in 300 Okay, no. he's not the I mean he's not 
I don't hate 300. Mm-hmm. I mean, I like 300, but I'm, he doesn't put me off 300. But yeah. he, but I do, I just find him unwatchable as an actor. Don't you, don't you feel like um, the louder he is, the better he is? No. Really, <laughs> That's his style of really, acting. I just, I, I don't like his face. I, like, I just, you know, I find him really unwatchable. Um, and casting him as a romantic lead, Jesus Christ. Yeah. He doesn't know, quite work. No. I think there's a good reason that his career seems, you know, it seems to have <laughs> diversified away from romantic leads. <laughs> diversified away, I like that. Um, um, just, I mean, just a couple more things to say about, yeah. the, about the film. It's got some... Um, some uh, music choices like Kate McGarrigal, K- Karen Dalton, nice. Marissa Nadler, White Lung on the soundtracks. It's quite a, quite a it's very eclectic great. soundtrack. And um, why is it called Trash Fire? Is that just a kind of metaphor for the situation the the guy finds himself in? Well, yeah. there's a real fire, the physical fire, and then there's the metaphorical fire that he's created because his life's a mess. Yeah, I yeah. think. And can you describe a person as a trash fire? Or is totally. Just, yeah, so. I know a lot of them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, it, I mean, look, this this film, for all I know, the last half hour of this movie could totally turn things around and it will turn out to be terrible. And, it could and, be a musical. And those two-star <laughs> will be all justified. But, uh, <laughs> but I'm certainly looking forward to seeing how it how it turns out. And um, I've just and, checked the end. Gerard Butler turns up <laughs> and he saves them. He, he saves everyone, <laughs> which is great. Um, and uh, no, I was saying about the, about the star ratings, yeah, I, 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 I do actually like the star ratings. But they've changed it, it, haven't they? I know that. Yeah. I was just going to say, I much prefer them to thumbs up, thumbs down. Yeah, which is just terrible. Like, why would you? I think we live in that um, in in the in that world where we don't want to say bad things about people. We, we want to kind of encourage people. Um, and Netflix don't want a load of negative negativity on their sites. So the thumbs up and thumbs down is probably their way of getting around that because. People like like the Amy Schumer stand-up that's got absolutely slated straight away. Now it won't influence people to watch it or not. Because obviously, if someone's got one star, less people will watch it. Therefore, their their investment into that film might not be as... Uh... Yeah, I mean, I'm not... I'm not stupid. I know why they've done it. Yeah. I, just, I just find it frustrating. You know, yeah. All that work you put in. <laughs> yeah. Apart from anything else. But yeah, I spent hours doing it. Yeah. <laughs> Gerard Butler I like cameo Netflix to know, down. I like Netflix to know what I've seen because I've seen like the majority of the movies on there. Yeah. Um, so by kind of rating them, it tells you that it, you've true. done Netflix that you've seen it. And that helps with your algorithm as well when it recommends yeah, exactly. you stuff. exactly. Although my problem with the Netflix algorithm is that I've, I've seen all the good movies, so yes. it tends to recommend the stuff I watch, like cartoons and, and you yeah. know, silly silly throwaway TV series and stuff like that. Yeah. Well, that, that's great. That's a great thing about Netflix. And also, they, they because I've got such... So, so many new new content coming out all the time it's it's great i mean i also have seen most of netflix and it's it's a real struggle for me to find stuff so i have to um go onto different streaming networks like shudder and, and amazon and and things like that and i also find youtube is it has so many full films there it's incredible yeah, yeah especially out of print that. films as well yeah. like i've seen um on my i think on the first ever episode of this there's a film called um times square which i couldn't find anywhere but it's the full films on net on netflix on um youtube and it's such a great film really really good times square i don't know that one um it's tim curry plays a dj and and there's these two girls in a mental institution who form a punk band and escape they kind of form this band in this strip club they go in to make money because they've run away from home and uh, they make a demo in this strip club and give it to tim curry he plays it on his show and they become this sensation it is great. And I don't know why everyone is talking about this film. It's just incredible. Is it an 80s movie? It's Yeah, it was made in 1980. And it's called Times Square. And 
it's brilliant. It's like the full things on 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 YouTube. That's yet another movie I'm going to add to my list of oh, films I'll get around to eventually. Is it should. in the Danny Peary book? Because that will bump it up the list. Oh, maybe it was. Maybe that's where I got it from. Yeah, I think it was. Oh, okay, but it's just really hard to find. But it's on YouTube. <laughs> um, well, thanks. That was uh, your first choice. Uh, my second choice of what to watch on Netflix um, is kind of an unusual film, and this film got real mixed reviews. I would say the the best reviews um, for it came from um, people who like genre movies. I, I mean, I've I've gone obvious with my choices today. They're all kind of um, horror uh, tinged. Um, so this film is called Digging Up the Marrow. Did you manage to see that? No, I haven't seen that one. So Digging Up the Marrow um, is a film by Adam Green, um, who's, who's a great director, mm-hmm. um, and he, he makes genre films. And uh, the way this film came about is because he got some weird fan mail through through the post. Um, and this fan mail was basically pages and pages and pages of of pictures of monsters. Of Someone drew, drew some monsters sent, sent to him. So he's like, who is this guy? So and at, at some kind of horror convention or film convention, um, the guy came up to him and was like, I, I, I sent you those monsters. What do you think? And then he's obviously Adam Green's like, who the hell is this guy? It's just kind of scary. But then the guy pitched him this idea for a movie like um, that he's that he is a, a, a illustrator and he's been asked to draw um, real monsters um, and kind of like a, like a suedo documentary type thing. So Adam Green made this into he combined the two situations him being adam green uh, being approached by a, a weird fan and this whole thing about um someone being made to draw real monsters um and it's called digging up the marrow and it the main guy in it is uh the dad from twin peaks so that's ray wise oh, and he he plays I'm, I'm already in it is so good um, and he approaches Adam Green and says, I need you to film a documentary about uh, my life because I see monsters. So Adam Green, just like, in the, he's playing himself, but it, it, like kind of, kind of a, a slightly weirder version of himself where he's a bit of a bastard, really, because I'm sure Adam Green's a nice guy, but he plays a little bit of a bastard in this where he dismisses the guy straight away. But the guy's persistent. So Adam Green goes out, eventually goes out there with a the camera and the guy shows him around his house and he's like, look, look these are all the pictures of the monsters I've seen. I've drawn all the monsters that I've seen. And Adam Green is going green. He's like, okay, show me where you saw the monsters. So the guy takes him to a forest and there's a hole in the ground in the middle of this weird forest graveyard. And um, he said, there's the hole and it leads to the marrow. And what the marrow is, is an underground monster lair, like a whole sprawling city full of monsters. And he said, um, and he said, that's the hole they come out of at, at night and, and go around and like do weird things. So they set up the cameras and uh, they try and capture a monster on film and, and, and nothing comes of it uh, because they're not allowed to turn on any lights because um, Ray Wise um, says that it'll scare them off. So obviously they couldn't see anything. They maybe saw something in the distance, but they couldn't see anything. So Adam Green's like, I really need to see something. So he goes back another night. He, he sets up hidden cameras without Ray Wise know him and he captures ray wise going there the next night and putting food down the hole and you just think what is going on here it's really how far are we into the movie by this point maybe 15 minutes in 20 minutes in it's really i'm not not telling you the whole story and then it kind of kicks off um in terms of you the, the viewer not not really believe in Ray Wise that there are real things as monsters, but also very intrigued about what's down that hole and why is Ray Wise feeding something down this hole? 
how did the situation arise? Um, what's the deal with Ray Wise? He, he claims to be a, um, um, a retired cop, but no one seems to know his background. So um, suffice to say that this film escalates rapidly uh, from that point on and becomes insane I, I would say um but for for any fans of adam green or any fans of uh twin peaks and mr ray wise which i believe everyone probably is um i think this is a must um it really did divide people people said it's stupid a stupid idea the monsters um are are stupid because the monster design for me is great because they're real original monsters and you do spoilers you do see a bunch of monsters um it though there is a little bit of a clive barker element to this i mean some of these ideas about monsters living underground um in a a kind of a city has been done before by many people guillermo del toro clive barker so it's not exactly new but maybe in this kind of format as a um a mockumentary a fake documentary um to me it's something quite interesting and fresh and that's digging up the marrow by Adam Green, and that is available also on Shudder. I'm really pimping Shudder today. You are totally pimping Shudder. Today. <laughs> yeah. Was that was that at Fright Fest? Um, I would be surprised if it wasn't. Um, it wasn't at. It came out in 2014. Actually, I think it actually came out in 2015 um, on streaming networks. They couldn't. They didn't really get a proper distribution, so they just did it all themselves. That's Adam Green that made Hatchet, is that right? Yeah. Right, so I mean, I would have thought it would be it, Fright. He's a kind of friend of Fright Fest. Yeah, I would, I would be surprised if it wasn't. Oh, actually, yes, it made its debut um, 2014 Fright Fest. Uh, yeah. There you go. Okay. Yeah. I think I missed it there, though, somehow. Yeah, I mean, it was really hyped, and a lot of people after Fright Fest, it was after one of the, the first festivals that played at, um, were really disappointed. And I think some of the kind of bad press and then disappointment filtered through to, to the wide world and that cast a bit of a shadow on this film but it's really really worth watch it's really interesting uh as i said the monster design is great and it's got ray wise in it so why wouldn't you watch it indeed yeah well because i don't have shudder <laughs> yeah well you can get a month free trial <laughs> ah. shudder.tv month free trial and then just quit right okay I may, <laughs> if i have a month to myself which is highly unlikely i'll, uh, <laughs> I'll give that a go well um, and a sort of record scratch um <laughs> left turn from from horror yeah um the thing i want to recommend next is Do you uh, a butler movie nope okay right. it's a, a children's cartoon although it's i say a children's cartoon it's the sort of children's cartoon that you'll just absolutely fall in love with okay um it's a show called we bear bears have you come across this no when you mentioned this i thought it was an auto uh, spelling mistake like well, what is the we bear bears i'm not actually sure why it's bit bear b-a-r-e i've not really i've, I've seen every episode of it so far and i've okay. not worked out why why it's called that um but it's just it's just absolutely adorable it's um it's it's created <laughs> by a guy called daniel chong who i think okay. um originally started the project as a as a webcomic uh, the original webcomics are still are still available online mm-hmm. Um, and it revolves around three three bears who live in a cave just outside the San Francisco Bay Area. So okay. it's uh, a grizzly bear called Grizz, uh, a panda bear called Panda or Pan Pan, <laughs> and uh, a polar bear called Ice Bear, who's voiced by Dimitri Martin from um, from Voice of the Concords. Yeah. And it's basically the whole cartoon is just them kind of trying to assimilate into into sort of day to day life. And there's a lot of sort of like pandas kind of obsessed with social media and he's and he keeps trying to find a date on dating on dating sites and grizzly's kind of really over enthusiastic and, and sort of pleased to see everybody and wants to make friends and ice bear's very kind of stoic and speaks about himself in the third person so all his lines are i'm kind sold of already this sounds great instantly quotable sort of um sort of uh lines from from ice bear like um ice bear feels shame 
Ice Bear settled that out of court. Ice Bear <laughs> bought those legally. <laughs> Things like that. I, hashtag Ice Bear for president. Um, also, do, I mean, you, if you watch the, uh, there's a YouTube clip called Ice Bear's Best Lines or something like that. If you watch that alone, you'll you'll want to watch the show. It's just it's just adorable. This sounds amazing. Do they wear people clothes? No, no. Yeah, they're, they're, ah. they're, I mean, they're, they're bears. They live in a cave, but they have, you know, all mod cons, let's say. They have the yeah. internet, they have showers. They c- Ice Bear's a, uh, uh, um, an excellent chef as well as a uh, martial artist. <laughs> do, do they... I've got so many questions about this. Do they interact with humans and humans know that they're animals or... Yes, but okay. it's, not un- it's not weird. It's a little bit weird. Um, yeah. They do... The humans... But, but they get given jobs and things like that. There's a okay. fantastic episode where um, they all get jobs in a sort of cupcake... Um, <laughs> Well, it's, it's not. It's not really fair. Cupcake, what shop? But it's a shop that's a bakery. Then a, a cupcake bakery. So, but they're all given like completely the wrong job. <laughs> like so, Ice Bear, who would be brilliant at at just sort of doing the the mechanical machine operating, yeah. is is uh, is given the sort of front of house stuff, which would which Grizz would be perfect at, and and Panda is who would be great at the kind of um, machine operating bit. Is given the uh, sorry, would be, who would be great at the ordering bit, which is basically a sort of interface outside the store. Yeah, is given the kind of complicated uh, mechanical bakering, <laughs> baking, bakering, bakering could be ba- a word. Baking bit. <laughs> Ice Bear is uh, is basically front of house, kind of dressing up as a giant as a giant cupcake and sort of trying to smile <laughs> and not really and not really managing it. So basically, they all mess up their their various bits. Um, they what's interesting is that is the show's approach to supporting characters. Like like normally on any given show, you'd have a sort of regular mm-hmm. supporting cast. Yeah. Um, this does have a, a, a three recurring supporting characters, but they almost never occur, come in the same episode. So there's uh, a kind of I think she's supposed to be 10 10 year old um, Korean girl Korean kind of prodigy called Chloe who's who sort of befriends them when she's doing a science project and, and they just kind of hang out with her there's a really adorable episode where her and Ice Bear kind of spend the day together um, there's a, a Bigfoot character called Charlie who's voiced by Jason Lee who's very oh, nice. who's very irritating um, but, he's, <laughs> but I think he's meant to be irritating yeah who um, who kind of comes around every so often um, and then there's a there's a sort of YouTube star, sort of diva koala bear called uh, Nom Nom, who is voiced by Patton Oswalt. And, <laughs> and it's a fantastic character. So there's lots of kind of social media, you know, yeah. parody and, uh, and what have you in the, in the show. But then the other thing is like, just when you think the show can't possibly get any cuter, they have flashback episodes to when the bears were little and kind <laughs> like of... Like Muppet Babies. And, yeah, a little bit, yeah, yeah. except... So it's the, but there's a sort of whole ongoing story about how they got to the cave, and, and that's told through these flashback episodes, and um, and yeah, they're, they're sort of extremely adorable um, little <laughs> stories about how they how they well, they're, they're doing a lot of travelling for some reason in the uh, in those in the flashback episodes. But the other thing is like it can hit you emotionally out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. This show, like there's like so it can go from being completely strange and surreal. Like there's an episode, for example, where Grizzly wins a burrito eating contest in uh, in a you know in a sort of fast food place and he's given this kind of giant burrito as a prize and he doesn't want to eat it he just kind of for some reason he he hugs it and becomes so attached to it that he that he kind of you know he just sort of takes it everywhere and yeah, sort of yeah. sleeps with it and not sleeps with it like in that way but <laughs> takes it and so it kind of never leaves and it starts to kind of get a bit horrible and, yeah. and uh you know his friends want him panda and ice bear want him to get rid of it but he doesn't want to get rid of it and you, it's like you say so the, the majority of the episode is just this weird 
because he's got this weird fixation with this, with this burrito. But then the end of the episode, there's a flashback that explains why he's a, he's formed this attachment. And, it, it's, and what's the reason? I'm I'm I, I'm not going to tell you because okay. you have to watch that. That's the episode that will make you just how far just, is that in? It's only a few episodes in. Okay, I'll, yeah, and I'll you don't have to watch, watch them in order. You could watch it. You could make it the first one, but I would I, rec- I would recommend watching the first few to get a sense of who the who the bears are before you watch yeah. that episode. That reminds me of um, an episode of Adventure Time where where Bimo befriends uh, a bubble. Have you ever seen that one? No. Well, the whole the whole episode there's this this bubble that appears, and so Bimo carefully kind of takes it around with it, um, and he befriends this bubble, and the bubble's got a face, and he hugs the bubble and stuff, and at the end of the episode, the bubble bursts, and then it's just the most just tear-jerking, heartbreaking episode ever, and just credits, and you just think, oh my God, yeah. that's horrible. <laughs> um, well, that sounds really similar. I mean, it's an emotional yeah. sucker punch, basically. Yeah. I, I didn't see it coming. It's because you don't expect it from no, something you really, that's designed. No, you really don't. And, it's, uh, yeah. and plus, there's, there's a lot of, you know, for kids, I think it's, it's, it's it, I would absolutely have no hesitation in recommending it to children. Um, because it has messages about brotherhood and, and supporting each other and, yeah. and stuff like that, but not in a kind of overly cutesy way that you get in a lot of sort of animated shows and, and kid shows and things like that. Because when you first said bears in San Francisco, I thought it was <laughs> I thought it was going to be something completely different. Yeah, no, it's not that show. Okay. There's, there's no real, aside from the sort of internet, um, uh, you know, parody and stuff like that, there's yeah. no real um, hint at that kind of okay. adult stuff yeah 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 if i'm going to recommend an episode to you again you have to what you really have to watch a lot of them to a few of them to get a handle on who the characters are but watch an episode called yuri and the bear which is basically a sort of flashback episode to um ice bear but it tells you a lot about how he how he kind of got his cookery skills and his sort of fighting skills and his kind of practical <laughs> axe wielding skills and stuff like that. And it's just a fantastic episode. So there are official episodes on YouTube. Some yeah. of them, the Cartoon Network site has a lot, has at least lots and lots of clips. Yeah. And the there is a Wee Bear Bears official site that I think has some has some complete episodes. It certainly has a lot of you know sort of clips and and trailers and things like that. Nice. Um, I, there are definitely full episodes to be found on YouTube. Yep. And it's also on Virgin On Demand, if okay. you've got that. It's or it's available through Virgin On Demand. Oh, awesome. And it's currently screening on, I guess, I guess Cartoon Network. I'm yeah. not entirely sure which channel it's on. Um, I'm, I'm actually I can tell you which channel it's on. Yeah. It's on Tonight I'm gonna gonna go home and I am gonna check this out because it sounds right up my street. Yeah, it's it's on Cartoon Network and it's available on Catch Up as well in on Virgin. Perfect. Thank you very much. That's a, that's a great uh, second choice. Um, for my final choice of what to watch on Netflix, I'm going to go with the 2014 techno thriller, um, a film directed by Nacho Vigalondo, um, and it's Open Windows. Um, have you seen Open Windows? Yes, it, I feel the Elijah like Wood internet-y laptop film. So this is the film, and and this is, I mean, I think Elijah Wood, since all of the Hobbit movies, has made some really interesting choices. The films he's gone into, so he's done like Maniac, which I really like the the Maniac remake. Um, Recently, he did that film um, directed by Macon Blair. I don't, I don't belong in this world anymore, which was great. Um, I've not seen that yet. Is that good? Oh, it's so good. It's really, really good. Um, Ignore. I mean, this again, there's a little bit of a mixed reaction to it. I think it's genius, and he is incredible in it. Um, so open windows. I well, just uh, I'm a yeah, huge fan it. of him of his work as a producer as well. Like he's, yeah. he's I mean I've interviewed him and he's absolutely he's really on it and he's produced he's some so of my cool. favorite films. Uh, 
um, the last couple of years. In particular, um, A Girl Walks Home Alone at Night. Oh, it's so good. I love yeah, that film so, so, much. so it was good. my favourite film of that year. Yeah. And he, was, oh. he was a producer on that, which is just really shows um shows his commitment to that kind of uh, yeah. artistic you know filmmaking it's i didn't realize he was a producer on that also, yeah one of my favorite films of the last uh, few years um this one is yes yeah, so it's called open windows and nacho vigolondo was the guy who directed uh time crimes uh los cronos criminals which was i've seen that one yeah it's probably that time travel crime film is again one of the best films i've ever seen i think it's incredible um and it's weird that this is his first english language one so this one's called open windows and it stars elijah wood as a bit of a fanboy and he is obsessed with this actress played by sasha gray uh, and Sasha Gray is a well a former porn um, artist. I've interviewed her too. Have you really? Yeah, she's she's actually really really cool. Like um, she the, the, again her film choices she made after she went legit have been great too. Um, what did you interview about? Was it about um, the Soderbergh movie? Oh, for nice the girlfriend, girlfriend experience. experience. Yeah, yeah, she was just fantastic. Like really, re- she absolutely knew her stuff and Definitely. was a big film fan. Like properly. Um, you know, was dropping dropping kind of she does know, know her stuff, hardcore yeah. art house stuff uh, from Fellini to God yep. knows who, you know, um, Goddard, whatever. Like she's yeah, she's really a. Massive you would film really fan. love this then because she she plays um, almost like a parody of herself. She plays um, an actress that Elijah Wood's obsessed with, an actress that um, is getting hounded by the press and getting hounded um, by people online for her her choices and, and roles she does. Um, so <laughs> Elijah Wood wins a contest to meet her um, and he goes all the way out to this particular city and is waiting in the hotel to get the, to get the call from her manager to say okay she's ready you can come out and the car's ready to meet her He uh, Elijah Wood gets the call from um, her manager and says sorry um, she doesn't want to see you um, I'm sorry you came all this way the the competition uh, unfortunately is cancelled I'm really sorry and Elijah Wood's obviously not too happy about that but then things started to get a little weird. And uh, Elijah Wood, um, after complaining, is told by um, uh, Sasha Gray's manager. I'm, I'm using their real names because I can't remember their characters' names. I do that all the time. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, Sasha Gray's manager <laughs> tells Elijah Wood that um, he can do something else for him instead. And he switches, he does something which allows Elijah Wood from his laptop to view um sasha gray through her phone hear her and view her through her phone um, and he sees that she's having an affair with this with this other guy and basically you start to think that who is this manager guy that's able to to do this to engineer this um and why is he doing it and essentially the film is the manager giving elijah wood orders and the reason why Elijah Wood has to follow these orders is because um, he he's blackmailing him about something. Um, and I forgot to mention, this entire film takes place on Elijah Wood's laptop. None of it takes place in the real world. Everything you're seeing is on Skype windows, chat windows, or audio within Elijah Wood's laptop. So it, it, it's great. It's a little bit like that, that film, um, Unfriended. Yes but without um, like a supernatural element to it. Yeah. Um, so it, it kind of escalates and what Elijah Wood has to do is go into this hotel room and he has to taser a guy um, and then he has to rescue Sasha Gray who has been kidnapped. 
she gets kidnapped so the whole film is him and these three kind of hackers um kind of geeks who've also been blackmailed by this this manager guy to go to this weird location to to save sasha gray um, and that's as much as i can tell you without giving away too much or spoiling it for you but i, I think this is a real underrated gem um and just watching elijah wood in his element being a kind of hero trying to save this girl he's been obsessing with is is, is really interesting and, and again sasha gray reveals herself to be like a, a, a force to be reckoned with and i'm surprised she hasn't been in a lot more kind of like major stuff i yeah, think she's just quite presence yeah i mean I, I agree i was surprised really not to see her and um, she's only done hor- well the only stuff i'm aware of that she's done since the girlfriend experience is yeah. horror related yeah that's that's i mean that's because horror directors probably like her for for her past work yeah. um but yeah i'd love to see her in something that she can actually get her teeth into and something that can kind of show her her acting skills a bit more and i'm surprised um that she didn't go on to do the girlfriend experience tv show yeah was well, that beneath her yeah. maybe well, um i don't know I've not watched that show yet. I keep meaning to. It's I really heard it's incredible. My, yeah, it's really yeah. high on my uh, to watch list. Yeah, I've I've, uh, I've I've got it saved. I think it's on Amazon Prime, isn't it? It is. Yeah. 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 I need I need to watch it. Um, but yeah, the the film's great. Again, it's Sasha Gray, Elijah Wood, um, and Nacho Vigalondo also plays a part in it as well. So it's quite interesting to see a director um, in his own film. Which um, yeah. um, channels it on? Um, this is available on Shudder again. I've gone all Shudder. All Shudder. Yes. <laughs> this is very niche. Yeah, it is very niche. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm, I've heard there's some really great stuff on, on that channel. I, um, I write for a for a website called Vodzilla, which is dedicated to Vod, the VOD standing for Video On Demand, oh, yep. um, which is dedicated to basically writing about literally everything that's streaming anywhere yeah i do check it out sometimes from the main platforms um, netflix and amazon to all the to all the kind of subsidiary platforms like shudder but even like iplayer and youtube and so he he tends to cover there's one guy running in he and then a bunch of freelancers of which i'm one and he tries to cover absolutely everything and so there's a dedicated anton mattel who i mentioned yeah yeah yeah. is one of the critics assigned to um to covering um the everything that's on shudder and i've done a couple of um you know reviews of films from fright fest that are that are on shadow and yeah i think it's a fantastic um like horror only yeah platform um but they've what i was interested about with it they've got a lot of sort of obscure 70s stuff on there as well they like do really strange so you do the stuff of a vodzilla but you were saying that there's another curated kind of service that you are involved with yeah i'm involved with a site called filter mob which is aimed at basically taking it's for anybody who's ever thought to themselves oh there's not there's never anything to watch on netflix or amazon it basically yeah. picks hand we hand pick the best films on netflix and amazon and just present them the way that netflix is supposed to show, imagine yeah. basically netflix showing you all the good films in yeah. one in one so place. it's like this podcast but a website version and more choices basically yeah. yes <laughs> um yeah and it's currently the only platforms it, it does is netflix and amazon prime um, but you can filter it to show you just films on Netflix or just yeah. films on Amazon Prime, mm-hmm. and um, and yeah, it's uh, it's very useful if if you're stuck for that kind of what to watch decision and you don't it's really free have the time as well, to scroll. isn't it? Yeah, it is free. Yeah, it's a website only at the moment. We're hoping there'll be an app eventually at some point in the future. Um, but yeah, it's filtermob.com and it's yeah, it's worth checking out. That, that's great because I mean, um, even though I've got this um, podcast, I t- too still have to really search to find something that I haven't watched or something that's interested. And there's so much content out there; it's really hard to know 
um, what was actually good and what's worth your time. Because, I mean, we have a finite, finite amount of time. We don't want to be spend our time watching something that's going to waste it. So sites like FilterMob, and I guess this particular podcast will, will kind of help you help you choose and the other thing is that there's they're adding stuff to it all the time and uh, yeah. and filter at least keeps track of what's being added and and what's being taken away as well which is just as just as important i suppose yeah um so yeah we have a just in category that will tell you you know the newly added the newly added films to to both platforms um netflix i have to say seem to add stuff a lot more frequently than amazon do when it comes to movies but certainly yeah. it's the, the turnover is extraordinary um yeah so check that out for sure well, I will definitely do. Um, uh, yeah, so that's my uh, my choice. Open Windows, and uh, that's available um, on Shudder. Uh, what is your final choice, Matthew? My final choice. It's funny you should mention time crimes because my final choice is a TV show um, that's a, that's basically a sort of time travel sci-fi TV show called Travelers. Have you come across Travelers? I've owned. Do you know what? I've seen the first ten seconds. I think I've seen the intro, and then I I was like, right, I need to have a lot more time to kind of delve into this. So I don't know much about it besides it's a time travel show. Well, I mean, I say it's a time travel show. There's no actual time traveling by the what? main characters in it. Um, <laughs> but it is. But it Hang is. On, but the, I watched the first like 30 seconds of the first episode and that seemed to lead me to believe there was some type of time yeah, travel. Yeah, the pilot has all the time travel is up front in the right, first okay. episode. Right, <laughs> <laughs> okay. I'll explain that in a second. Okay. Um, um, yes, it's a... It's a well, I'm happy to say that it's been given a second season. I mean, it's oh, one nice. of those shows where you where you think, oh, should I watch that? It might just get cancelled. It is worth your time then whenever. if it's, yeah. Yeah, it's been given a second season. So, um, and thank God it's been given a second season because it ends on one hell of a cliffhanger. Okay. Um, <laughs> but, um, so the setup is that a group of characters called, known as Travellers are sent from the future um, back to the present day mm-hmm. to to basically prevent a kind of future catastrophe a catastrophe that will have sort of long lasting impact on their on their future yeah um, potentially world destroying impact on the on their future and the way the time travel works in the show is that they're projected into the body of somebody who has just died in the present oh. so there's a kind of so each episode it's like a morbid quantum leap yeah it is like a it's exactly <laughs> actually it's exactly like a morbid quantum leap except <laughs> that the person they're inhabiting all trace of that person is, has died. So they're effectively right. inhabiting the body. Because that's what happens the in the first episode. Yeah. The bit I saw, yeah. Yeah, all, I mean, that happens with with all the six characters right. in, the, um, in, the, in the first episode. So, so the hook is that they're, so they come together as a team once they've, once they've all sort of landed, let's say. Mm-hmm. Um, and they have to work together to, to, you know, complete a series of missions to, that's going to uh, affect the future. But the hook is that they also have to kind of maintain their hosts' personal lives. So each of <laughs> Why them. Why do has... they? They have well, uh, yeah, priorities. Okay. They have to like so they send back to save the world. Yet they have to deal with like the relationships and the kind of admin that goes along with that. Yeah, actually, to be fair, they don't really explain why that's essential other than don't blow up, you know, don't let anybody know we're from the future kind of thing. Like, okay. you know, you, you're in this body, you have to live this life kind of thing. Yeah, I suppose in theory, they could all just leave their lives and, and go on. But I mean, one of, so Especially for example, one dead. of them is a heroin addict uh, okay. who who still kind of has the, so he's kind of still, the guy that jumps into the heroin, heroin addict's body still has the the, the cravings the cravings wow yeah. okay, one of them the most interesting one is a character called marcy who they something goes wrong with so okay the the trick in the future is that they've picked all these people by their kind of social media you know the, the, whatever information they can find kind of what in in whatever the sort of future version okay. of online is and 
they make a mistake with this character called Marcy because as a as part she had learning disabilities and as part uh. of a kind of experiment they gave her a sort of social a series of sort of created social media profiles you know just to kind of I don't know I forget what the point of the experiment was but <laughs> yeah. but anyway it was kind of like a you know something she did with her carer and um so suddenly she goes from being hardly able to speak to being a completely articulate you know she mm-hmm. you know she's not need, she's not in need of any help anymore which happens in an episode of quantum leap as well yes actually <laughs> yeah. yes yeah jimmy no well, there's yeah. it definitely owes you can definitely see the the traces of quantum leap yeah. in travelers um and you know i was a huge quantum leap fan so yeah, me too so absolutely. Diva leaper. Oh, oh, Diva that leaper. Arc. <laughs> oh it was amazing <laughs> yeah if we're going to get sidelined by uh, yeah. by quantum leap uh-huh. um it really uh, you probably feel the same way it really irritated me that in the like the the creator belisario spent yeah. the whole first four seasons saying oh you'll never see us do elvis you'll never see us do marilyn <laughs> you'll never see us do jfk stephen king and uh, and well no but i mean he he explicitly said you'll never see us do jfk or marilyn okay and lo and behold by the fifth season they did jfk and marilyn but they, had to. they ended Ratings. up betraying the whole way that the the show was set up at that point so so like in the previous in the whole previous four seasons al would say something like oh well in the original history you know this person um, you know, was hit by a car or whatever, and you saved them, and blah yeah. blah blah. And they went on to do these great things, and it didn't really matter because it wasn't a real person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But in but then when they get to do JFK in particular, he, so he leaps into the body of Lee Harvey Oswald. Mm-hmm. And, yes, I remember that. Was... And yeah, it, potentially fantastic. Yeah, you know, yeah, absolutely yeah. amazing. But the end of the episode, Al basically goes goes. So in the original history, Jackie died as well, but you saved her. So, you know, interesting. Great. I forgot so, that. Wow. And Marilyn was, Marilyn's even worse. Marilyn is, um, is, oh, in the original history, she took this overdose and died and never got to make the misfits. But now she made the misfits. So, you know, <laughs> then that's died. all down to you, which many people consider one of her greatest films. That's terrible. It is terrible. And it's terrible because the original history in the past was always, um, our history if you yeah, saw what yeah, I mean. yeah. like, like it, it was it, and so for, for Al to start saying that the the real history was something that we don't know mm. happened it just fucks the whole thing yeah, up it was infuriating right. and don't get me started on the finale either where, where it all turns out it's God behind a bar or whatever but it is do you know what like when I watched it when I when I was a, I was still a kid I actually because I probably didn't understand it very well I actually was like okay this is fine I don't really understand what's going on but you get to see all of the old characters that's great I watched it again um, just a few years ago and I was like, okay, that's probably the best they could do. Like, I, I, I mean, it's like the ending of Lost. A lot of people don't like it. I, I like it. I like the ending of Lost. I stand by it. What else are they going to do? Yeah, I kind of agree. And and the great thing about the end of Lost is that they pay off all the emotional subplots. Yes. Like they don't, the actual resolution isn't all that great. No. Uh, but... And for me, they should have ended it with them being back on the plane, like a kind of trapped in a loop. They basically should oh, have ended that's it. that's a nice touch. Should have ended it with the nuclear explosion at the yeah. end of the previous Spoilers season. Spoilers for Lost, by the way. Spoilers yeah, for totally. Lost. Uh, the explosion at the end of season five? six, five. Yeah. What's the, how many seasons are there? Six. Total six. Right, so the explosion at the end of season five yep. should have thrown them back to being on the pl- everybody being on the plane. And they had going to... through the whole thing again, but with the knowledge that they had. That's so good. It would have been so much better, right? That's really, really good. Because you don't have to give the resolution then. It's just yeah. kind of Twilight Zone style ending. Yeah. But you still have the hope that everybody can kind of, you know, they can make it. But no, I, I realized that I enjoyed everything about it. And I think The Constant is the best episode of TV ever. Yes, I agree. Um, and again, time travel. Yeah, it's and and they said they wouldn't ever do kind of like time travel. I'm sure they, the the writer said that about season two. There won't be any time travel. There won't, won't be any like major sci-fi riffs. 
and yeah the constant that entire season season and i mean i love it i love the ending i love the whole last season as well also the we have to go back yeah. is the best like season finale moment <laughs> yeah. of any season of, of tv i've it ever seen great. it's just incredible yeah um, you and I became friends around the time that uh, that Lost was on through a, yes. through a mutual friend. Yeah. I remember us, all the three of us being completely obsessed with it. Oh, uh, yeah, I still am. No other show has come close to that level of yeah. obsession for me since. And there's lots of shows I love and lots of shows that have, you know, I've been gripped by and stuff like that. But nothing's come close to kind of like talking about it every, exactly. every week with friends and stuff like that. And like, I mean, I, mean, I sometimes say that Twin Peaks is my favourite show just because it's it was cool to say that, but not anymore. Um, because everyone loves Twin Peaks now. But like genuinely, I think Lost is my favourite TV show ever. It's, it's given me the best experiences of watching a TV show ever. Um, and just so emotional that last I remember because it was shown in England the same time it was in America so you had to get up at like three in the morning to watch the two hour finale we all got up we all did yeah we all got up and we were like so excited and like had the cup of tea ready watching it just absolutely blew my mind at the end of it everyone's just sitting there quietly like oh my god it's over (laughs) ah but like yeah yeah good times it's the best my probably all time favourite TV show I think is Mad Men but for very different reasons Mad Men's great do you know what? I, I, the ending was all right, but like a little bit of a of a kind of a anticlimax, maybe because this this the whole show was so so good. It was almost like a an anti ending. Yeah, maybe I thought it worked though. Like overall, I mean, um, I yeah, like I wouldn't the, say I was dissatisfied by the uh, by the ending. I mean, again, like how how what else are you going to do? I'm glad they didn't. Well, no, I don't want to. I don't want to. Yeah, say how they didn't end it because that would ruin it for anybody who hasn't yet seen the final episode. Yeah, but, uh, the final series is now. And the whole now thing's just been on Netflix. On Netflix, yeah, yeah. which is a nice uh, circle. Um, do I need to finish off with uh, with Travelers? There's yeah, yeah. Only yeah. to say that um, that it takes some surprising turns. Like uh, so, so yes, all right. The the characters are having to live their live the lives of their hosts if you like um so one of them in particular is being is in a sort of abusive relationship she's had a baby with a with her ex-cop boyfriend and she's obviously a very different character now than she was you know um then so there's a there's lots of um lots of they do lots of sort of interesting things with sort of with the whole with the whole setup throughout it but then just when you just when it starts to get a bit samey they introduce completely different elements like new new travelers kind of arrive frequently but uh, in particular kind of rogue factions it turns yeah. out effectively that they have changed the future and what's happened is that, that, that there are now rogue factions in the future who want to correct who it. either want to correct we don't really know what they want to do but it's mm-hmm. but there's they there initially was just one let's say government i mean i don't know ex- exactly if it's specifically there's a there's a thing called the director i say a thing because it's not necessarily a person yeah um, who they're all taking orders from. And then suddenly there's a whole different faction that's against the director. And because they're effectively trapped in the past, mm-hmm. they don't know whether they can still trust the future version of the director that they may or may not have helped create. Yeah. So it's it's quite complicated. And as I say, they end it on a fantastic cliffhanger. And production values generally are extremely high on the show. It it's, did it's, look like that way. Yeah, yeah. It's, um, it's really worth... Well, I mean, certainly the first season is really worth watching. Yeah, it's all that, that Netflix money. Oh, um, yeah. Yeah, well, that's great. That's um, and that's obviously available on Netflix uh, right now worldwide. Um, and that's it for the show. Uh, thanks very much, Matthew, for coming on. If people want to find you and uh, read your 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 social networks, how would they find you? 
Um, I'm at filmfan1971 on Twitter, and I usually plug most of my writing on there. <laughs> I do I do weekly reviews for iNews, which is the online uh, version of the iPaper. Mm-hmm. I do a lot of writing for Virgin Media. I mean, in particular, I write a lot for, as, as I mentioned, Vodzilla. Mm-hmm. Which in, is a great site. I get some recommendations from there myself. It's Well, I write a particular column on um, hidden gems on... Um, and it basically hidden gems on Netflix. So there's a, yeah. if you Google... Again, this podcast in, in, in uh, article form. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> uh, and and I, in fact, I was, yeah, I was looking through my own column to decide what to, uh, what, what to uh, choose for this podcast. Yeah. Um, so I, I pick, um, it's a sort of rotating list, uh, and, uh, sorry, regularly updated list of hidden gems on Netflix. So if you Google Vodzilla, Matthew Turner, hidden gems, Netflix, that piece will come up and... Uh, yeah. There's usually about 20 to 25 films on there. Nice. All of which I heartily stand by. Awesome. I want to check that out straight away. Um, and if you guys want to find out what I'm up to or where I am, go to uh, Twitter at Jed Shepherd, J-E-D-S-H-E-P-H-E-R-D. I'm guessing you already know that. Same on Instagram. If you want to know about uh, my other podcast, go to postpoppodcast.com. Um, one of the podcasts that I produce, Monkey Tennis, is having a live show on November the 22nd at the Prince Charles Cinema in London. It's just been announced today, um, which is a couple of days before you were hearing this, that uh Simon Greenall, who plays Michael in I'm Alan Partridge and Alpha Papa, the Alan Partridge movie, will be joining us as a special guest uh, that night. So we're going to dedicate half the show to Knowing Me, Knowing Yule, talking about that, and the other half talking to Michael about his experiences being the butt of all the jokes um, on I'm Alan Partridge um, and um, Alpha Papa. And we've been wanting to get him. We actually tried to get him last year, but he was busy. So, so, so happy that he's uh, agreed to do it this year. And you're, and if you're there, you get to quiz him. If you want to uh, get tickets, go to postpoppodcast.com slash monkey tennis live. Uh, one more plug. My record label is postpoprecords.com and there's loads of music stuff on there. Thanks very much, guys, for joining. Thanks very much, Matthew. Thank you. No problem. And I'll see you guys next week. Goodbye.